Uh, today we continue our sermon a series based upon our small group Bible study being challenged. And so today we'll talk about prioritizing prayer. I think we would all agree that great relationships begin with what? Communication. There isn't a couple that isn't conflicted, a family that isn't conflicted. There isn't a strain in the classroom or any other area of life or workplace when there isn't great problems with communication. Great relationships begin with communication, the ability to speak honestly and lovingly, and the ability to hear and to listen. Great communication builds relationships. Our friends, uh, there's a reciprocal effect and there's a a dividends that build with friendships as people talk and communicate, hear each other in life's highs and lows, and people listen to each other in love and care. There is no doubt relationships begin with communication. And many of us have been married for many years, or been a father or a mother for many years. We know sometimes what our children, our spouse wants, even before they ask. And we listen to the tone of voice and what's being said. Relationships begin with communication. My life would have been simple if, if I had a smartphone or a cell phone. Between my junior and senior year in high school, my grandmother had me go visit her in Germany. And so there was a charter flight. Uh, that, that flew from Cleveland to Frankfurt, Germany, that took me there. And I remember that morning in the summer, July of many years ago, I'm not going to tell you when, uh, we flew to Germany, and there was a tailwind, and our plane arrived two hours early, and there I was in an international airport in a foreign country. I knew what my grandmother looked like, but I didn't know what my aunt and uncle looked like. They were picking me up. And there I was in this great international airport myself at the age of 16, I thought it was cool, but it was a little scary. Now, if I had a cell phone, we had a smartphone, I could text them and say, okay, listen, uh, we just heard our our planes over Germany, and we're flying into Frankfurt. We're underneath the clouds. We can see the city. And there's a runway. We're at touchdown. I'm getting off the plane now. Meet me at baggage. There was none of that. I didn't know where to meet who. The signs were in German. So I remember in high school, I studied German, so I knew a little bit of German, so I scraped my best German together, and I saw these two guys, and they looked rather knowledgeable, and I wanted to ask them where people who have incoming flights meet. And so I put my best German together, and I sort of spoke a sentence to them, and I said, Entschuldigen Sie mir bitte, wissen Sie, wo der, uh, wer der uh, Ausgangplatz ist? And they looked at me really confusingly, and I said, did I mess up my German that bad? And one guy looked at the other guy, and the other guy looked at the other guy, and they looked at me. And the other guy looked at the other guy and said, Jack, do you know if this guy's asking us? (laughs) Hey, I speak English. It's cool, all right? (laughs) All right? It's all right. I got it, okay? And so, thank God I I knew who my grandmother was, my aunt and uncle. But how life would have been different. And for us, modern-day technology, in some ways it makes communication better, but in some ways it's confusing, I'm saying this out of love. My lovely wife sometimes texts me or calls me during the day and says, hey, on the way home, can you pick up some stuff? I said, sure. One time a gallon of milk. Well, that sounds simple. Well, do you want skim milk, 1% milk, 2% milk, whole milk, Mm. soy milk? What do you want? Do you want powder milk? So even stuff like that can be a little complicated. And so, you know, wives learn what to do for us husbands. They take a picture of what they want and they Mm. send it to us on the phone, right? Then Mm -hmm. there's no mistakes. Okay, anyways. Or how do you get a hold of pastor? It would seem rather somewhat simple, but even with all the technology, communication's gotten harder. Some people stop in and see me in my office. That's how they talk to me. Some people call me on the church's landline. Some people call my cell phone. 
Some people email me. Some people text me. Some people get a hold of me on Facebook, and some people Facebook chat me. So every day I have to check all those what? Those, me, those mediums, those ways of communicating. So sometimes communication, even with all our technology, is not as easy as we would think. So today we're going to continue with our uh, sermon series or being challenged. We heard about commit to community, commit to studying scripture, and today prioritizing prayer. You know, Jesus prayed 50 times in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 50 times Jesus took the time to communicate with his Father. So what is prayer? Prayer is you and I taking our hearts, our souls, our minds, our concerns, our joys, our thanksgivings, and simply talking to God. If we don't hear the words to our prayer, neither does God. So prayer is us simply talking to God. And Jesus prayed 50 times over all sorts of situations and all circumstances in his life, whether prayers for deliverance or thanksgiving or praying for other people. Jesus prayed. So he set for us an example, a prayer. But let's be honest. Prayer like communication sounds simple, but prayer is rather difficult. It takes sometimes a lot of effort to summon our thoughts, our our minds, our feelings, our concerns, to gather them together, to know what to pray to God about, to know how to pray to God. Dietrich Bunhafer, the Lutheran pastor who was martyred in Nazi Germany, said about prayer, the depths of a heart that knows scripture can pray a much more deeper prayer. Prayer, it sounds simple, but it's very difficult. And let's be honest, sometimes since it's difficult, we become rather lazy with prayer. You don't have to answer this, but have you ever fallen asleep during a nighttime prayer? Has it ever happened to you? Really tired, you fell asleep? You have, sorry, God, didn't mean to hang up on you, right? That sort of thing. This is what Luther said his concern for prayer was. Sometimes I feel I'm becoming cold and apathetic about prayer. This is usually because of all the things that are distracting me and filling my mind. We have to be absolutely certain that we do not allow ourselves to be distracted from genuine prayer. The devil is not lazy. He'll never stop attacking us. And friends in Christ, the devil does attack us, so we respond in prayer. And that takes effort. That takes energy. That sometimes takes deep motivation to go to God in prayer. So we want to learn about Jesus, the habits of prayer. Jesus prayed early and often. And I know this would sound odd to us. What do you think about coming to church four times a day? What? Well, sometimes it's hard to come to church one time a week. But Jesus, oftentimes, he went to church four times a day. He went to synagogue to pray. He went in the morning, at noon, in the afternoon, and evening. And friends, in Christ, prayer is much more than just us folding our hands and bowing our heads. When we say the creed, it's a prayer. If you sing the hymns, it's a prayer. During the sermon, you might feel um, guilty, that's a prayer to God, or might feel relieved that God has forgiven you, that's a prayer. So Jesus prayed early and often. So we want to learn of Jesus about prayer. Now, I want to talk about priorities and priority. Let's talk about the word priority and how that's changed. Priority was only meant to be a singular form from the 1400s until the 1900s, then it became plural. So if 200 years ago in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, there is only the word priority. There is no such thing as priorities. Because how can you have multiple priorities? Let me continue reading. How can one have multiple priorities? This gives the impression of many things being the priority, but actually means nothing is. We really can't have multiple priorities, then nothing really is a priority. A priority is how many things are important to us? What? One. 
Make prayer a priority, number one. Prioritize prayer as Jesus did. Jesus prayed when he needed help. Take a look at the picture there. It's in the evening. It's a very deep and difficult prayer. Want to take a guess when that's taking place? Give you a hint. Monday what? In the garden of what? Gethsemane. Remember what Jesus was praying about? By his upcoming crucifixion? It was that he'd be able to accept that, that the devil wouldn't put him off track. So he prayed in a very difficult time. Jesus prayed when he needed help, just like we pray when we need help. Have you ever wondered why God gives you problems and trials and tribulations and your life isn't what it could be or should be? Ever wonder why sometimes your life is in crisis? It's not that God is punishing you and I. It's that in those times, Christ draws us closer to himself. He gives us a cross to bear. And when we bear our cross, we learn to pray. Let's be honest. Many of us don't pray until our backs are against the wall. I know that's how it's with me. When I was a young man, somebody told me, sometimes people only look up when they're flat on their what? And there's only one person to talk to when you're flat on your back looking up. And who is that? You know it, right? So... Jesus prayed we need help, and sometimes God puts us in difficult situations that we might come to him in prayer. Jesus prayed because he needed direction. He prayed that his Father's will be done. He prayed that he allowed his Father to keep him doing God's will of suffering and dying and rising. If it's your will, Father, Jesus prayed for direction. Following the world is like a bad GPS, now, Friday, I went to Fort Wayne. My wife and I, we, we were blessed with these new bikes last year, and I had to get a tune-up. So I went to a bike shop in Fort Wayne, and since it took a couple hours to tune them up and do what needed to be done with the bikes, I went shopping, and I used my GPS to get me from store to store. The bike dealer called and said, your bike's done, so I had to get from my last door back to the bike shop. And GPS was working fine until it had me go on a road that was no longer there. And I went back it three, four times. It kept on saying, turn left, turn left, turn right, turn right, turn left, turn left, turn right this road, turn left in this road. And the road was no longer there. Ever had that happen to you with GPS? Mm. Right? True story. A lady left from France because she wanted to get to Brussels and she ended up in Switzerland because the GPS was off. Ever had that happen to you? Some people told me if I followed the GPS the other day, I'd be in the middle of a cornfield. Jesus prayed for direction. Following the world is like following a bad GPS. And sometimes we follow the world for directions, and it's not good, and we see the effects of it. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about. Many people follow the world. They don't ask God for direction. I follow what the world does. You know, sort of like when Rome do it what? The Romans do. Evite says the average American has not made a new friend in five years. Yeah, that's the world for us. While we have technology and we share stores and roads together, we're much more lonely. We don't have a friend. You don't have to raise your hand if that's true for you. I'm not talking about families and maybe someone you knew from high school. A lot of people said, I haven't had a new friend for a long time. That's the world. Cygna says that 61% of Americans are lonely, and that's pre-COVID. They're lonely. Nobody talks to me. I don't talk to anyone. In a sermon a couple months ago, I brought this up. I'm not sure if you remember. But in Chicago, every week, a dozen or two dozen people die, and nobody claims them. Nobody comes to the funeral. 
The city and the state pay for the burial and the internment and all the fees. Nobody claims them. 61% of people are lonely, and maybe you feel like that sometimes. I feel like that. But even though we're together, the church is a great blessing, don't get me wrong. But following the world is a bad GPS. Northwestern Mutual says 73% of Americans are in serious debt. Following the world says I have to have it now. Do you remember two weeks ago I said this? I quoted Dave Ramsey. Most people buy things they can't afford to impress people who don't like them anyways. Okay? Following the world is a bad GPS. What else about the world? Career Builder says 78% of Americans live paycheck by paycheck. That's not a very healthy or wise way to look at life. That's following the world. Lonely. Alone. Broke. How about this? Even more concerning. 70% of Americans, according to USA Today, are unhappy with their job. You spend most of your waking hours at your job, or at least over, nearly over half of it. How do you feel about life? Following the world is a bad GPS, so we pray to God for directions. God calls us to be different. Jesus prayed before key events in his life. He prayed before he fed the multitudes. He prayed before his trial and crucifixion. He prayed before key events in his life. Do you? Do you and I ask God for guidance when we're making big decisions in our life? Even to buy a car or a home or a vacation? Do you ask for God's blessings? Please do so. One of those days, Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying before God. Wow. It's a long prayer. Jesus prayed often and frequently. Can you read this verse with me? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You ever had an important decision? You prayed to God? Might not have found an answer, but other people came and talked to you, and maybe God spoke to you through other people? Or maybe it helped you clarify with an important decision? Make it a priority to pray to God. One thing, ask God for directions. What about prayer? Jesus prayed because prayer changes the world. Just like the bubonic plague ended, COVID will end too. Part of me believes that COVID will end because many people are doing what about it? Praying. Praying. Prayer changes things. I believe part of me thinks that we haven't had a nuclear war because a lot of people pray that wouldn't take place. Prayer changes the world. When we pray for others, we begin to love them all the more. Jesus prayed because prayer changes. Do people not pray because they don't believe in prayer? Is that hitting a little close to home? I prayed, but Jesus never answered my prayer. I prayed and some bad things happened to me. When I was a kid, I remember before my birthday, I prayed really hard for me to get a new bike. Instead, I got a set of underwear. All right? Many people think, well, why pray? God doesn't answer. Yes, he does in his own way, his own time his own will. How about this? If God answered every one of your prayers this past month, how the world would be different? Well, my life would be better, but what about the world? If God would say yes to all our prayers, would only you and my life improve or what about the world? Do you pray for world leaders? Do you pray for all the hungry to be fed? Do you pray for an end to COVID? Pray an end for abortion? Do you pray that the world would be a better place? Or do I just pray about myself? You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's true, according to God's will. 
what a blessing prayer is. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I believe my life has been blessed by righteous people who prayed for me. My prayer is that you do too. Ask a righteous person, non arrogance, will you please pray for me? Pray for me about this. There's one thing I'm beginning to like more and more about St. John is that after every meeting, people are insisting that we take prayer requests. Please take prayer requests. I love that. My hope is that every meeting, every get-together, we end with taking prayer requests. Thank you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It does change. Prayers make a difference. Our relationship to God is a statement of faith. It's true. Confirmation student once asked me, Pastor, if God knows everything, then why do we still have to pray? That's a good point. God knows everything. He knows our heart. Prayer isn't for God. Prayer is for us. It's us wrapping our thoughts and our hearts and minds about our need to God and lifting them up and say, God, please hear them. It's faith in action. We feel differently. Our spirit's different. You don't have to answer this. You ever had tears in your eyes after someone said a prayer for you that was meaningful? You ever cried after a prayer because somebody listened and you took it to God in prayer? What a friend we have in Jesus, right? What a blessing it is. Prayers can move mountains. They can, for God's sake. It's a statement of faith. Luther said this, Christians don't fight best at voters' meetings, all right? Now, nobody laughed at the other services either. They fight best on their knees, okay? So pray, make prayer a priority. Do you pray before meals? A previous congregation of mine, there was an interview done, there was a poll done among all members, I hope that's not us, said only 20% of members prayed before meals. Hopefully that's not us. Martin Luther said, we are not to be like hogs to the trough before we eat, but rather go to God where? In prayer, you ever seen a hog to the trough? Yeah, we're not supposed to be like that, go to God in prayer. Do you pray with your spouse before you go to bed? Special prayers, you pray with your children and grandchildren. Do you pray? Do you pray to God over special concerns? As a pastor, I travel sometimes on an interstate. I visit people or I'm on the road, and people talk to me, and I put my phone on a loudspeaker or the system on, in my vehicle, and I said a prayer for them too. Now, of course, I didn't drive my, close my eyes drive down the interstate. That wouldn't have been good, all right? But you can pray. You can pray anytime. When a train's coming by and a traffic light in concern, sitting anywhere before test at school, no one can block prayers to God. Make prayer a what? Number one, God hears us for the sake of Christ as hear his dear redeemed children. So how about this for a closing thought? I don't have anything because I'm going to lead us all in prayer, so pray with me. Heavenly Father, forgive us for times that we get lazy and don't pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, intercede in our lives for thoughts we can't express. Lead us to pray in the depths of our hearts and souls, our fears, our needs, our concerns. Let us pray with rejoicing and thanksgiving for all good things in our life. Lead us to pray and realize that the hymns and the creeds and the message and even the liturgy in church are prayers as well. Lead us to pray more and more, Lord, to pray unceasingly because you hear us as a loving father hears our dear child. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lived, who died, and rose for us. In his name we pray. Amen. And all God's people say, Amen.